0: Live to teach.
1: Welcome to Millennial Season Three, Episode Five. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. We're missing half of our group this week, but joining us is Pamela Gokabachi. Uh,
0: Hello, internet
1: writer. <laughs> uh also writes for hypeable uh former imprint host the good old days talking twilight
0: that's right wow are
1: you reading um do you still read the do, you know stephanie meyer has a new book out the chemist
0: is this the time traveling mermaids she promised us 10 years ago no
1: it's not it's then not. i'm
0: not reading it <laughs>
1: She has this book out called *The Chemist* that she released. Uh, let's see, I think it was it was back in November. Mm,
0: in all seriousness, I have heard of it. It's just not on my um, top priorities list. Okay. Uh, I didn't like the host, so I was like, "I'll I'll set that aside for later, I, Stephanie." But I liked. Thanks for your contribution. <laughs> thanks
1: for thanks for Twilight. Um, I liked the host. I actually started reading *The Chemist*. It was like a deal of the day thing on Amazon. It was only a couple bucks. It was. Oh. It's actually really, really good. The amount of detail in the book she writes about a chemist, uh, kind of like a Sherlock type character, and mm. it's just really well thought out. And I was surprised by how good it was. How intrigued I was. So, okay, maybe check it out.
0: Yeah, I'll give it a. I'll give it a go. Why not?
1: Who knows? Maybe it'll be a new series, and we can launch Chemist Cast.
0: Chemist Cast <laughs> <laughs> coming soon. Yeah.
1: Uh, many of our listeners know us through Mugglecast and Imprints and other shows, but, um, something happened. I, I was off last week because I was in Minneapolis visiting a friend. He's, he's lived there for a couple of years and I hadn't been before. And I said, Oh, what better time of year to visit Minneapolis than the dead of winter, January. So went over there. And uh, I'm a big Snapchat user. I know you guys mentioned Snapchat last week, Elisa, and I think that was an issue because none of you actually use it
2: right accurate <laughs> i to be clear, I've tried using it. I don't understand it though
1: okay, Grandma oh uh, okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i
2: i don't don't, don't get it I mean, can you tell me like what's so you take a picture, you send it to the yeah. people who you know follow you or who you're friends with on snapchat and like that's it there's like stuff you can yeah. overlay it with like frames right. and you can make your eyes yeah. look big and wobbly
1: yeah they're called filters and lenses <laughs> you overlay <laughs> your picture with some fun images it's very high tech
0: <laughs> Get off my lawn. Pam,
1: you use it too
0: I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I admittedly, like, I usually use it when I'm doing something excited, exciting as you do with most social media things. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's fun. I Snapchat you sometimes. Yeah.
1: The, the appeal, Elisa, is that it's, it's less pressure than an Instagram post or a Facebook post because it doesn't last. It only lasts for 24 hours in your story. Or when your friend checks it out after that, it self-destructs. They can't see it again unless they screenshot it.
0: So- it's also nice to see how fast your exes, you know, take a look at your photos. Yeah,
1: exactly. You can see who looked at the photos, how long since they mm-hmm. opened it. Really? It's, it's-
0: who yeah. was the most eager? <laughs> that, might- <laughs> that was the first one. You should have led with that. That might be <laughs> the entire point of Snapchat. Like, now I'm interested. Oh, it is. Before, <laughs> you should you should try it out. Because you could see exactly who your number one stalkers are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Shit i know i i i know i already know who it is i know it's i know it's (laughs) laura already but that's fine i would like to have that commemorated in you know statistical right evaluation
0: it does snapchat doesn't lie
1: so so the filters are part of the fun and i love snapchatting i have the spectacles i've got the glasses for added fun um but so uh, whenever i travel i i'm usually snapchatting um and so i was snapchatting my journey to minneapolis and of course when i'm there i'm snapchatting as well and a couple of our listeners the listeners uh they see that i'm in minneapolis because they see i'm using the minneapolis filters <laughs> and they both message me on snapchat they're like oh you're actually here that's cool and uh one of them brie says <laughs> hey i'm having a house party tomorrow night you should come and of course originally I'm like nah, I don't know I mean <laughs> it's a stranger's house party I've never met this person before but my friend's like oh let's go let's go we should t- we should totally go and he has like actually no friends there so so immediately I've already made more friends than he has and had more invites to house parties than he has in Minneapolis so I'm like all right sure let's do it we don't have anything else going on and uh so we ended up going and Bree and Derek and a couple other people I walk in and Bree's going to hate me saying this, but she was drunk. So she was very excited <laughs> that I showed up to her house party. And, of course, all these people are also in this apartment and they're like, what the fuck is going on? It's it's like fucking J.K. Rowling just walked into the house party or something. It was a whole big deal. <laughs> and, then, and then, So we were taking lots of snaps and stuff. And then we went to out a little bit after that. But it was fun. And the interesting thing is, and the transition I started out with was that they actually discovered Millennial through Spotify. And it was, it was weird, <laughs> uh, meeting some listeners who don't know Mugglecast or Imprint or other stuff. So I, so special shout out to Bree and Derek for having me and my friends and, uh, drank all their beer. I was a rude guest, did not bring any alcohol over. I just decided to, uh, <laughs> Take advantage of other people's <laughs> offerings at the party, <laughs> and uh I posted some photos in the Facebook group, so and its it looked like people really enjoyed those, so we had a good time
2: I can't believe that happened I mean I can, but I can't <laughs> believe that happened
1: it, it, if somebody invited you to a house party that you didn't know would you go like a listener
2: ah uh, well I- I'm about to get real with you to be honest with you <laughs> if it it depends. But my knee jerk inclination is to say for sure if it was a female. Yeah, yeah. I would go. Mm-hmm. I, I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be fun. I've met up with listeners before when I was traveling. And it's always a blast. But if it was like a random dude that I couldn't verify was a listener.
0: I don't know. I might get yeah. sketchy about that.
1: Yeah, that's Yeah, like, how do
0: you know it's not a house party of one? (laughs) I think you do a (laughs) drive-by, and then you, like, gauge, like, how loud it
1: is, how many
0: people there are, how many cars are outside, and then you can decide if you go in
1: or not. Right. When she first messaged me, she was like, it's going to be a classic house party. I'm like, classic house party? Okay. Interesting. Did you
0: feel like you were living every 90s, like, teen movie? Yeah. Yeah. beer
1: pong and- That's amazing. All the beer. (laughs) Took a shot. Regretted that the following day, but took a shot. Uh, they have stuff, they have unique beer, actually, in Minneapolis. There's this stuff called Ham's Beer, H-A-M-M. I'd never heard of it before. It's like the real shitty beer. But it was so good, personally. Like, I I have such a bad palate for beers. Like, I, I the shittier, the better, in my opinion. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, thanks for Brie, uh, thanks to Bree and Derek for a fun night. Derek, by the way, binging Millennial, but he's like a year behind, so he's not going to hear this for another year or so
2: oh okay (laughs) i can't imagine listening to this show from a year ago knowing what we know now
1: yeah trump will never be president oh well
2: well. look at this orangutan over there (laughs) (laughs) fast forward 10 months yeah every episode is just us sobbing into the microphone
1: (laughs) right (laughs) but um yeah so it was a good time anyway uh let's move on to some listener feedback. We got something from Claire. And Lisa, you're gonna take us through it?
2: Yeah, I am. So this was uh Claire is responding to our conversation from the other episode where we talked about the women's marches. Laura and I had a really deep conversation about some of the criticisms of the women's marches, saying that it uh the, the people there were um uh, the signs had too much to do with biology and vaginas and uteruses and what have you. And so there was some infighting within the liberal demographic, which I found odd and, and upsetting. So Claire wrote in, she wrote a pretty long message. We can post all of it uh, with our show notes, but I'm going only going to read a section of it. So if something looks a little truncated or sounds off, like don't blame it on Claire. It's my fault. Okay. She says that, I am a feminist, and I see intersectionality as crucial, but it makes me angry that it's becoming a stick to beat people with and silence people because they belong to the wrong identity group. For example, in the Women's March, I saw multiple signs not only highlighting the fact that black women overwhelmingly voted for Hillary, but also accusing white women of being responsible for voting Trump in. There were many photos on social media almost ridiculing the white women at the march for being white feminists and suggesting that in fact they were responsible for Trump's victory. Yes, 53% of the white female vote was for Trump, but that's not the same thing as 53% of white women in the United States. It's just the ones who voted. And are the 43% who went out and voted for Hillary to be held responsible for the others? just because they all fit into the same demographic? Ultimately, the root of women's oppression is their biology. Men want to exploit our reproductive potential, to access our bodies for their sexual gratification, to objectify and commodify our bodies, and to limit our freedom in order to allow themselves to do that. That is what patriarchy is, and that is what patriarchy does. Yes, not all women share the same biology, but historically and otherwise, it is the root of our oppression, and the tools of our oppression almost always involve our sexual and reproductive biology. So to call out women for referencing vaginas or uteruses and abortions at a women's march is so counterintuitive as to make me question whether the people doing so are really even feminists at all. This sort of thing has the effect of silencing women on women's issues, and preventing us from mobilizing and acting to improve women's lives. Abortion is a women's issue because it is the reason is, and the reason is restricted is misogyny. Some people who have abortions identify as men, but the reason that they will be prevented from having another abortion in the future is misogyny. Rape of women by men is a women's issue because the reason is committed is misogyny. Some trans men are also raped by men, telling them telling Heterosexual men that they identify as men has not helped them because misogyny doesn't care how you identify. I also really take issue as well with the questioning of women who are active in feminism as to how active they are on other social issues. I've heard time and time again that women who engage in feminist activism should also be active on racial issues like Black Lives Matter, otherwise they're hypocrites, Yes, I agree. Ideally, we should all be active in fighting oppression wherever and whenever we see it. But time, energy, and resources are not infinite, so why feminist women are not allowed to prioritize their own women's issues is beyond me. I've never once heard anyone ask a a male Black Lives Matter activist whether he is also active in protest against domestic violence and reproductive freedoms for all women. And I've never heard a man be called a hypocrite or had his progressive credentials questioned for not devoting his time equally to the oppressions that predominantly affect women. So this sort of thing aimed only at women, this sort of criticism aimed only at women, that we can't prioritize our own issues, has the effect of silencing us and preventing and discouraging us from activism on behalf of us all. So a little bit of a Bit of a mouthful there, but I thought it was worth reading because, um, you know, not every part of it necessarily, but certainly the bulk of it, frankly, I agree with. And this is sort of a Laura and I were talking about last time. And I think the important takeaway here isn't, is not to trample on this idea of intersectionality. I mean, I think it is critical. Oppression is oppression is oppression. And if it's racially charged or or gender motivated or transphobia Or anything else, it it should be addressed and we're stronger together when we band together and all take the time to address each other's issues, even if they don't affect us. So I do think we should be held responsible for helping our neighbor, even if it's not our own issue. But I also think it's ridiculous to suggest that we can't prioritize and that, you know, if there's three different marches happening the same weekend, that you have to go to all three in order to be a real progressive, in order to be a real human. And if you don't go to all three, you're not compassionate. You're a bigot. How dare you only choose two of the three? Or how dare you only go to one of the three? I think that does a real disservice to the meaning of activism. And I also think it would it's only going to have the effect of tearing the progressive movement apart. If we keep infighting like this, we're all on the same page. We all agree on the issues. We should. And so we need to stop nitpicking this idea of, oh, you held up a sign with a uterus on it. You're a bigot. Um, you
0: know, we need to stop
2: honing in on that stuff.
0: I also think that like the biggest problem is, is that people let this, these ideas fester instead of just having like calm and educated conversations with each other. Like I didn't, I wasn't able to get out to a women's march, but I would have hoped that if I had had a sign that somebody took issue with, they wouldn't just like go on Twitter and rant about how awful it was that like my sign, like they felt personally vindicated victimized by my sign, like I would hope that they would say like, Oh, did you ever think about this? And chances are, like, I didn't think about that. I wasn't meaning to offend right. anybody. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I think that the beautiful thing about the fact that so much of America is now getting um involved in protesting and stuff like that, it all it does is, is fuel this idea that we're trying to be a more empathetic culture and if this opens people's eyes and allows them to realize that they should be more involved in the activism of all sorts, then it's a win. But creating drama for drama's sake, and just assuming that people like, you know, white women only come out to women's issues, it's that's not realistic, because it's just possible that they never thought to go out to fight for other issues. And if you talk to them about it, and you show them that you show everybody that all we are is human. It's just – it it does so much more to build bridges amongst all of these people that are just trying to fight for the right things.
2: I, I think that's a crucial point that you just mentioned, that if you can get people to show up for anything, or rather, if you can get someone to show up for something, it's far likelier that they will begin to show up for other things. So if you see, you know, women at a women's march protesting their issues – Don't shit on them for prioritizing their issues because maybe they're just now getting into the fold and they're just now starting to get their activist badge and credentials on. But because they are here for their issue, they're more likely to turn out for yours. They're more likely to have their ears open and their hearts open and to be more engaged. But if you just instantly shit on them and say, well, why didn't you go to the Black Lives Matter protest last weekend? You – are going to alienate each other. And when you all agree on the issue is the thing. Now, if the person's, if the person doesn't support Black Lives Matter, that's a problem. But what I'm saying is assuming that you're on the same page with the issues, don't attack tactics like this, in my opinion. And also, I think Claire made a great point. When's the last time we heard male Black Lives Matter protesters being accused of being bigoted or discompassionate because Um, they weren't at the women's marches. I don't, I haven't seen any criticism of that. Male, male Black Lives Matter protesters are allowed to to, to to participate in Black Lives Matter issues and engage on that level without being called bigots and hypocrites. But, Mm -hmm. so I, I guess that my point is that you know, cut everybody a little bit of slack is all. That's all I'm saying. And And by the way, this is an issue. The last thing I'll say on this is I've seen some people suggest, you know, just let it go. You know, who cares if you're being called this or you're being called that, you know, and and you're still pretty, pretty privileged overall. I don't deny that at all for a second. But either being called a bigot and a hypocrite is a big deal and we should be addressing it or it's not a big deal. And who cares if you are one? So don't, I guess what I'm saying is don't tell me not to be upset when someone calls me a bigot. That is a very serious accusation and I have every right to be, to be upset by that because I think that's like the worst thing a person can be.
1: The ball is rolling right now on the resistance and um, in another week or two, I want to talk about a project that I started working on recently. Um, but people are, people getting back to a point that was made a couple minutes ago. People are inspired right now to fight, to protest. And I think we're going to see, continue to see big protests. The women's march kicked it off. Uh, now we're going to continue to see protests like that because people were inspired by what they saw. It was when you, when you're seeing so many terrible things come out of the Trump administration, uh, you want to do something about it. And that first march was very inspiring. And now there's these other marches. Being organized like not my President's Day, a big thing happening across the country to to protest Trump on President's Day, and there's a good one coming together for Tax Day. People are on on Tax Day, Tax Day people are going to go protest, uh, ask for Trump to show his tax returns. And one thing that's really motivated that one is that Trump has been pulling this BS about, oh, nobody actually wants to see my taxes. That was just a media thing. Well, if a lot of people turn out on Tax Day saying, hey, show us the taxes. He won't be able to make yeah. that argument anymore,
2: right, yeah, and I,
1: and plus, it's also the simple pleasure that you know it bothers him. You know he's <laughs> seeing these protests on c n n yeah
2: yeah, exactly I agree at th- at some point, at some point, it stops being activism and just starts being like vindication and very yeah. like
1: petty jabs, like exactly <laughs>
0: petty, you know what yeah. though i don't even nobody should feel sorry about it because no. when he signed up, he should have known. You know that that's a fundamental right that nobody can ever take away from you. Don't let anybody ever tell you you're not allowed to speak up yeah. when you don't think anything oh, is right. The, the, like that's the fu- yeah. So he just needs to shove it and just get used to it because
1: the funniest thing I right mean, now, in my opinion, is uh, coming from the right is this whole snowflake thing. I don't know where oh it my started. God. It may have been that blonde girl on Facebook who, who oh, just, tell
0: me whatever her name is. Yeah, or, yeah, from oh
1: the blaze. God. She she just she just she just. She just she is, she's a walking, talking Facebook comment. But so the snowflake term has, ha, the, the right uses this to describe liberals because, um, if, if they have a hard, if, if the left has a hard time accepting Trump, they're snowflakes. They're, they're bitches. Basically, it's a very demeaning word and I hate it. And I see people on my own Facebook using it on the right. And I'm thinking to myself, Trump is the biggest snowflake going. He can't take any criticism. He can never accept when he's wrong. Don't, Called the left snowflakes when you're the leader of the free world is the biggest freaking snowflake happening right now. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I, I, I agree. Let's move on to some news. We are actually going to touch a little more on Trump, but just once. Just once. Wow. And then after dark, we're going to talk about hashtag self care. Uh, that's Trump related. But here's the one Trump thing we're going to talk about today, uh, besides what we just spoke about. Um, since he's taken office, he has signed a lot of executive orders. He signed eighteen in his first twelve days in office. By the way, one short of Obama, who signed nineteen, but Trump's executive actions have been pretty <laughs> major. Uh there was getting the ball rolling on the border wall. There was uh getting the ball rolling on repealing health care. And then of course, the biggest one was the immigration ban. Um This one has been major because we are now barring citizens of seven Muslim-majority countries from entering the United States over the next 90 days and suspends the admission of all refugees for 120 days. Now, this is one of Trump's campaign promises, but it's one we kind of couldn't picture coming true. It just seems so surreal. And uh, with a stroke of a pen, he did do it. But in the days since then, we've seen major fallout. First of all, speaking of protests, there were tons of protests happening at airports across the country. I think he signed it on a Friday or Saturday, and people were out in force uh, protesting, and lawyers were at the airports trying to get uh, refugees and other people through who had just flown in. Um, And we heard that it was kind of snuck through Washington. Uh, It wasn't run through the proper channels. Uh, the, the executive order and it, and it caused the mess. Trump tried to downplay it saying, Oh, we, only a hundred and something people were affected. When in all actuality, it was several hundred people. I think upwards of six, seven hundred people that were, um, seriously affected by this.
2: And those are just the people that the six, seven hundred people that, that figure, those are just the people who were already here en route to the United yes. States that, that doesn't account for the, untold number of people who are now stuck in those seven countries that from which he banned immigration. Yeah. Um. So God only knows how many hundreds or thousands of people that it affects. And what I find, what I find so telling about this, to be honest with you is that this, there's a Muslim ban, bans refugees and all immigrants from seven countries, um Iraq, Iran, Syria, Yemen, Sudan, Libya, and Somalia. And that seems to be the defense that the right has taken. That it's not a Muslim ban, because they're it's they're not banning people based on their faith, that they're just banning countries that happen to be Muslim. Um and there are other Muslim countries, to be fair. I mean Indonesia is the most predominantly Muslim country in the world and that's not on the list. And so The White House is taking the stance of, well, listen, it's not discriminatory because we're not doing it based off of them being Muslim. They're just Muslim-majority countries. And then that's also the defense that a lot of people have. But during the campaign, Trump called it a Muslim ban. His own words. That's verifiable fact. That's not an alternate fact. It's on TV. You can hit play and you can hear him say it. He called it a Muslim ban. Then after he won the election, he again called it a Muslim ban. And then in a Twitter post not too long ago, he again referred to it as a ban on Muslims. So Trump, straight talker, say what him about you will, but he is a straight talker. Uh, he calls it like he sees it. He calls a spade a spade and he says it's a Muslim ban. Why can't anybody else acknowledge that? If he can do it, if he has done it, if he ran on that platform, why won't the White House as a whole acknowledge it? Why won't, you know, other elected officials acknowledge it? Why won't Republican voters acknowledge it? And the reason is because once they agree that it is a Muslim ban, then they have to defend their own racism. Then it yeah. be, then it becomes, okay, yeah, it's a ban on Muslims. And then that, that takes, that, that changes the goalpost. So instead of, you know, deflecting the conversation to be about, uh, country of origin. Now it focuses in on the real crux of the issue. And they have to address why a ban on Muslims. And once you make them start answering why a ban on Muslims, they immediately sound racist. They immediately, cause then their reasons are, oh, well, terrorism, this and radical jihadism, that. And the numbers don't hold up. They might have this narrative in their head, but the numbers don't hold up. And so they just come out sounding racist.
1: Pam, I'm interested in your take on on this, the the ban and the wall. I mean, what are you feeling?
0: Well, I mean, I guess I should preface all of this by saying that I am not a like my grandparents are from Mexico. They yeah. immigrated over here. On one side, my grandpa actually came over through the Bracero program in the 1950s. Um my great grandparents came over here seeking a better life um before that. And I have grown up in San Francisco, where we are notoriously a sanctuary city. And it just breaks my heart. I get so emotional thinking about this because the view of not all of America, but some of America seems to be that these people are just over here looting and pillaging. And, and the reality is, is that they're some of the hardest working people I've ever seen. Like I'd never see. I guess, I'm sorry, I'm getting so emotional about this. Um, I never see anybody that's coming over from Latin America begging on the street corners for money out here. I don't know if you guys see it where you are. It's never Latinos. They're the ones that are like begging for work, making trinkets, trying to sell things to provide for their families. And so it's just really sad that it's just a peddling of this idea that's not accurate in a place, you know, that is not, not predominantly Latino based, but there's a good chunch- chunk of the San Francisco Bay Area that is Latino. And there's a good chunk in like LA, which I've spent a lot of time in as well, that is Latino. California as a whole has a huge Latino population. So it's just awful to see that they're going to push ahead with it. Uh, I feel sorry for the American public because we're going to be in severe debt after this goes into effect. And chances are it's going to take longer than Trump's going to be in office for it to get made. So we're just going to waste all this money for half of this wall that's probably going to get torn down anyway.
1: That won't even help much because the other thing is that where there's a will, there's a way. There, uh, People are going to get over the wall. People are going to get drugs through the wall. I mean, that's, of Mm -hmm. course, another thing that Trump was bringing up.
0: And here's the other thing, too. I think that um, if if you are listening and you've never really taken the time to really research how the immigration system works in America and and the process it takes to apply for a green card or a visa or citizenship, I would strongly urge you to kind of uh, inform yourselves of of how long the process is, because chances are you'll find that it's it's more of a process with the system on this side than it is with people coming over. Yeah. Especially because, like, once you're here, you can seek asylum. And the thing about that is that the courts are so backed up that, you know, you're here in this country waiting for your court date for six months or whatever while you're seeking asylum. So, at the end of the day, like, whose problem is it really? Is it, like, America's uh, problem in terms of, like, the immigration process, which can take years and years and years while these people are trying to seek better life for themselves? Chances are they're also not going to be trying to look for trouble because – As long as they don't cause any, they can hang out. Yeah. Or is it a problem of really like needing to put up all of these barriers that are not going to make a difference one way or the other?
1: It's it's just filling Trump's it, it. Trump made this campaign promise. Now he has to fulfill it because he knows that his ignorant followers want it. Um, You were talking about the work. The work that these immigrants do is work that nobody else wants to do being out in in the farms in very hot temperatures especially over the summer in southern california um you see them out there all the time sweating their asses off yeah making
0: i mean i i joke when i drive through like you know the five you've driven the five i'll be with my friends i'll be like oh look my my tios out there picking the i mean it's so bad but it's true like my you know my great-grandparents they were farm workers yeah um and and it is like i if you want to do that job, like I'm sure someone will hire you, but I bet you, you won't even last a day. Right. Right. It's, it's hard work, but in general, like getting back to the issue at hand, the, the whole immigration thing, the Muslim ban, it just like, it makes my heart feel so heavy. And I think purely from like, if you don't have empathy for that, I would just say, think about it logically and think about the view. The rest of the world is now going to have of America. It's just awful on so many counts. Yeah. Like, I studied international relations in school It just every sign that we're sending out is just putting a bigger target on our backs. I,
2: I agree with that. I think that a lot of, of the wall and the, the, the ban more generally on Muslims as well is, um, I think, I think people need a scapegoat. I think that there's a lot of genuine suffering in the country. Um, economically in the Midwest uh, in particular where people feel like they're not being heard um, and they're in pain and having trouble making ends meet and they're not necessarily you know they're not they're not PhD scholars in economics they don't have nor should they be expected to have this breadth of knowledge of how the economy works and of of why they are in this situation they don't know why and so what they do is they look to our leaders and elected officials to tell them what's going on. And you have people who capitalize on that and who weaponize their ignorance and say, oh, it's not this, it's actually Mexicans. And Mm. it doesn't make any sense. People who have a single iota of knowledge about what is and isn't true here, I think, tend to be um, more liberally minded and understand that it's just a scapegoat. That leads to racism or the other way around. Racism leads to the scapegoat. Either way, it's ridiculous. The other thing that really gets me about this is that they're estimating the wall will cost anywhere between 14 to 15 billion dollars. That's a billion with yeah. a B. Do you yeah. know how ma- we could, this is not a joke. Actually, this is true. We could feed the, we could solve world hunger. We could solve world hunger for a year on that amount of money. Now, not permanently, but we could feed every single family for a year on that. Do you know how many schools Mm. we could build? How much healthcare? Christ, talk about socialized medicine. Just, like, hand out all the prescriptions on that kind of dime, you know? But instead, we're going to build this. And I find it so deeply and profoundly hypocritical from a party that has – We, we can't spend anything on anything
0: unless it's the wall. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, like think, even think about how much better that money would be sent emphasizing, like trying to get people to get back into trade work, which is a dying art form. Like soon nobody's going to know how to be a plumber because our generation is so focused on seeking higher education. But if they put that money towards trying to bulk up these skilled trades you know or or giving people an incentive to do that then maybe we could create more jobs that everybody's like you know crying for right. or whatever because that seems to be the one leg these people have to stand on is that immigrants are coming in and taking you know these labor positions so why not put that money towards bulking up more opportunities for people
1: who you need know, them
0: in the midwest or wherever to you know have the opportunity to to do these kinds of things.
1: Yeah. Or let's just split that money among the American people. I just did the math. That would make us each about $43.
0: (laughs) Sweet. I would take it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a happy hour on, on everybody. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Happy hour on America. (laughs) Maybe that's what really needs to happen. Maybe we should be like advocating for
2: a bill that we, we it's, it's like national happy hour day. The government sends you $43 in the mail and you can only use it though if you go out to the bar and get shitfaced with a conservative, or if you're, or if you're
0: conservative with a liberal. Yeah, that you would can be- hash out all your problems on with like drunk confessions. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah and everybody mm. would just get along for a couple of hours. That would also be good because Trump doesn't drink, so that would be kind of like that'd be kind of funny. Let's talk about some good news. We all need some good news. Um, the Boy Scouts of America. They say they will begin accepting members based on their gender identity, opening the door for transgendered boys to join. Uh, the new policy is pretty straightforward. It takes effect immediately. Membership in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts now, um, you will be able to join if you identify as a boy. It's just that simple. When you fill out the application and you say, I'm a boy, they're not going to look at your birth certificate. This comes after a big story last month, an eight-year-old boy named Joe. Um, he was born a girl, and then two years ago, he decided he was a boy. He felt he was a boy. Um, and the Boy Scouts kicked him out. His, his group kicked him out. And, uh, it was an upsetting story last month, and, They've been under pressure, and so have the Girl Scouts, to, uh, address this matter. And, uh, so yeah. Effective immediately, pretty cool stuff. W- were either you in the Girl Scouts as a kid?
0: Yeah. I was a Girl Scout. Yeah, me yeah. too. Did you like it? I liked the cookies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we all those <like> <laughs> cookies. Boy or girl, or any other gender.
0: Yeah. I was a Girl Scout for a while, actually. Yeah? For, like, um, yeah, from, like, second grade through, well, we, because we came, we all came up in the same troop, and, and we really liked the camping aspect, so we, we just, like, stuck with it until, I think it was, like, eighth grade. It was, like, the same ten girls. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was really, um, it was really fun. Um, I, I think that my experience, like, I don't know, I, I was trying to think, like, I, There was nobody that would have been excluded, but I also grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I kind of almost feel like this wouldn't have been an issue. Like If a boy identified as a girl and wanted to be a Girl Scout, I don't think anybody would have pushed back,
1: Mm. but
0: I'm lucky enough to have come from a place that is in a bubble and
1: there's a large
0: amount of tolerance. So
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I guess it depends on what area you're in. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if the Girl Scouts follow because I don't think they have a particular policy right now. I was a Boy Scout, uh, back when I was a kid. I I liked it. I was in it for a few years. We didn't sell cookies. We sold popcorn. That was our thing. Popcorn? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't as cool as cookies.
2: How do you even sell? I mean, is it? It's not popped
1: yet when you sell it. I assume. No, actually, it is. It's. I think it is. It's a big, big, big canister of popcorn, <laughs> and all kinds of different flavors.
0: There's like carrot. You guys, it's good popcorn though. Yeah. Because my cousins were Boy Scouts. Yeah. There, there's like chocolate covered and caramel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, all that yeah. good stuff, right? Like fancy popcorn. Yeah, it was a
1: whole big magazine, and I think we did it around Christmas or something. Oh,
0: Christ!
2: I thought fancy. you meant like you go around with like a little like stove and Things
1: you pop people. Pop-
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just made it infinitely cooler. Yeah. That's that's what we should petition for next. <laughs> I, I
1: when, when I I wasn't I I didn't really know that I was gay when I was in the Boy Scouts, but I had I had some feelings and uh it made me feel uncomfortable because everybody there was very straight, so it just wasn't a good fit for me. But I did enjoy it for a few years. And I do wonder now what it's like to be gay in the Boy Scouts. I wonder if people come out and if they're accepted or if they decide to leave because if i were to guess i would assume that most um i want to keep calling them tribes but they're not true are they tribes aren't they just troop- troops As- troops troops that's the word yeah i guess it depends on the troop but um how how they would accept gay people in 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 the community because you know you're sharing tents with people and when you're younger you're unsure of how gay people are blah 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 blah
0: yeah, most of the time I think that it's parents that have a, an issue with it yeah. more than kids because kids don't really seek out, like, the differences. They're just like, oh, this person also likes making knots. Like, let's <laughs> learn how to tie ship knots together. Yeah. You know?
1: I remember so. those days. I remember those days. Here's um some less good news. Uh, we all remember Mel G- Gibson's big blow up a long time ago let's let's flash back to that. Um, this is him being racist on the phone to his girlfriend. Uh, this is a classic clip. Uh, it is definitely graphic, so brace yourselves.
2: That's not none of your fucking business, motherfucker. It is. Think. It is. They look stupid. I'm just telling you, it's just an appraisal. Keep them if you want. Look stupid. See if I give a fuck. You know,
1: but they're too big and they look stupid. They look like some Vegas bitch. They look like a Vegas whore. And you go around sashaying around in your tight clothes and stuff. I won't stand for that anymore. I don't. I
0: don't, I don't walk around. I don't walk. I don't want to be that. I don't walk around in tight clothes. I stay at what home most of the time.
1: You public and it's a fucking embarrassment to me. You
2: look like a fucking bitch on here and if you get raped by a pack of niggers it'll be your fault
1: all right because you provoked it you are provocatively dressed all the time with your face so that's just one of many phone calls uh showing that mel gibson is very racist and sexist he was criticizing her boob job and saying she looks so good that if she gets raped she's asking for it just absolutely terrible Anyway, he kind of went in hiding after all this because Hollywood didn't like him anymore. But as Hollywood loves to do, they forgive after a certain amount of time. He's uh, lining up his first starring role in a movie since 2002 in a studio film. He's he's might be joining Daddy's Home 2, the sequel to Daddy's Home starring Will Ferrell. It just annoys me because I hate how Hollywood forgives people after X amount of time. In the case of Mel Gibson, it took a while. In 2002, that's, what, 15 years? If you look at what's been going on with Johnny Depp, the big studios don't blink an eye. They don't give a fuck because Johnny Depp brings in all the money. Harry Potter movie? Sure. More Pirates of the Caribbean movies? Sure. We don't care that you beat your wife. Come on in for some more money, Johnny Depp. Yeah. And, you know, people do still really like Johnny Depp.
2: I think, I, I don't, I think it has something to do with the fact that people are so, people are able to compartmentalize these issues. So they hear that tape you played of Mel Gibson. And if you're a good person, you're kind of shocked and mortified. But then you see this movie coming out. The trailer looks awesome. Everybody on your block is going to see it. And it's like in the moment, oh Christ, like, am I really going to be the one person who doesn't know what happens in this movie? You know? Yeah. And I think there's, yeah. I think that overrides the logical knowledge that you're supporting a horrible human.
1: Yeah.
0: That's interesting. I, cause I think that it's, it's more like as humans, we're programmed to believe that people can change. So you don't want to believe somebody's going to be a piece of shit for their whole lives. Like you want to yeah. believe in this idea, this Hollywood romanticized idea of redemption and forgiveness and all of this stuff and maybe we just bend too easily yeah
1: but well and i I know. I know when we found out that johnny depp was cast in fantastic Beast, some harry potter fans were like i am not seeing this movie now how dare they how jk rowling i'm ashamed of you well guess what they all saw the movie <laughs> i'm pretty sure
0: they were like, we're gonna see this one, but we won't see the other four. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I call, no, that's not gonna, they're gonna go.
1: Uh, also, people like Woody Allen, he still has a very active film career right now. His adopted daughter has spoken about the times that she, that he sexually abused her. I mean, but the public and, and Hollywood studio owners just love to forget this stuff. It's, Really bizarre. I guess if you're still good, if you're still a box office draw, it doesn't matter what you've done. You'll still get away with it. Yeah. Makes me sick.
2: I think you're right. I don't know. I think Pam's probably right, though. I think it makes sense, like, people, especially if you grew up liking somebody and seeing them as characters, I think it's hard to see them as their real selves. So there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of cognitive dissonance going on where... You're able to separate those two things out. And that combined with what Pam said about, oh, everybody changes. I've done fucked up shit, too. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like, everyone does fucked up shit. But do you, like, casually drop the N-word? Because if so, you, right. you don't do fucked up shit. You are fucked up. Yeah, I loved it's, it. It kind of goes back to when the whole Johnny Depp story came out, people were saying, wasn't it like his mother just died or something or his father? his mother right. Yeah. yeah, his mother. And we talked about this in the show a little bit, and everyone's like, oh, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, like, he was clearly under duress. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Is Johnny Depp the only goddamn human with a mother? Is he the only one who's ever going to experience the f- fate of mortality? I don't think yeah. so. But not everybody re- experiences that and decks their spouse in the face.
1: Right. You were cracking up at the TMZ report, I remember, because <laughs> the, uh, the initial TMZ report was sharing the details of him, uh, beating Amber Heard. And at the end of the story, TMZ just goes, Johnny Depp's mother died last week. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, okay. And.
2: Yeah, I was like, the fuck? Like that's nice. It's kinda like telling me, oh but but seriously, like he beat Amber Heard, but he also like ate a Brussels sprout for dinner last night. It wasn't supposed <laughs> to be on his plate. It wasn't supposed to be there. He ordered the asparagus, but it was a Brussels sprout. Like, what do you do? what What is the guy? And, you do? know,
1: nobody loves Brussels sprouts, so you could see why he would beat his wife. It makes right. it, you know, it 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 could add up. Totally relevant. Try that in court. See how it goes. We've spoken, of course, a lot about Facebook and, and fake news perhaps influencing the election. No thanks to Facebook and how news spreads on there. Um, one thing Facebook has struggled with is their trending topics section because fake news has showed up there multiple times. It's been widely reported. Now they are making some more changes. Uh, Facebook has announced that everybody in, in a country is going to see the same topics. And presumably this is going to mean that Facebook is going to have less trending topics to look over. Thus, it'll be easier to manage to see what's, what is being shared in these trending topics. Cause right now I'm looking at it. There's the trending section has five different categories, top trends, politics, science and tech, sports and entertainment. And, uh, I guess people will actually be managing it now. They're not sharing the details of exactly how it's going to be working, but, Facebook is trying. I don't, I don't know if this is going to help, but we'll see. Do you guys use Facebook trending, the section? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, I only see it on desktop. I don't even see it on the phone. So, And most people use oh, Facebook on their phone. So I'm not sure, like, how often it's even used.
2: I wonder how much of an impact, if any, this could have on, like political movements. Yeah. Um, because I know that, I know that social media, is, you know, for example, with the Arab Spring and elsewhere, like critical to political movements. And I know that a lot of times, you know, governments will try and shut them down or hope that, you know, they don't want the whole country to see how much support this cause actually has. Yeah. And maybe like trending topics being a bit more uniform across across regions will help bring people together for a cause. Mm-hmm. It's more transparent, I guess.
1: Yeah, I don't and know. the the, uh, the other thing that they're adding is um, they're going to select topics based on the 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 variety of voices across the Facebook community that are talking about the topic. And I, I assume they're only going to pick reputable voices across Facebook. So mm. that should hopefully help get rid of fake news uh, from sp- prevent fake news from spreading. I think I think there's no one easy answer for them. And they're just going to have to keep tinkering until they until they find a solution. I, I, it'll probably be a constant battle I because people are going to continue to want to spread fake news because there's excuse me. There's money and burping in fake news. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's move on to AP Choice. Uh, We have some great listeners who support us at patreon.com slash millennial. They pledge $10 a month. And we let them submit topics. We got a bunch of them. Since we started guilt tripping them, uh, people have been sending in some good stuff.
2: (laughs) Guilt tripping (laughs) Um, them? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> send in some stuff y'all come on um this first one comes from angela getting back to the topic of protesting she says what do you recommend people do in states like california we could call our senators but for the most part they were already they are already against the most of what trump is doing anyways she says she basically feels pretty useless
2: oh i i don't think you're useless at all first of all just because you live in a predominantly blue state and what have you I don't think that, that means you can't affect change um, for red states I mean for example if you call if you call your elected officials um, you know sometimes they don't even ask where you're from what they're doing is they're taking it they're they'll, they'll oftentimes like take a tally of mm. how many people have called on what issue and they're not necessarily tying that to, you know, an address or a zip code. So sometimes your voice gets mixed in with the actual constituents and they just frankly don't even know any better. So I wouldn't be afraid to call other legislators besides your own. I wouldn't be afraid to make your voice heard there. Um, what? Also, I know we talk about this a lot and sounds like such a cop out, but social media seriously knows no state lines. It knows no party lines. And I think one of the things you could do is maybe, for example, help to make this presidency not so normal. We cannot become – we've talked so much on the show about how normalizing Donald Trump and what he's doing and how he's doing it is the most dangerous part of his presidency. Even though everything's terrible, so long as we are shocked by it, so long as we're outraged by it, he's not really winning. We can always come back and beat him in four years or God forbid eight years. So <laughs> long as we so long as we stay shocked and outraged, then we're yeah. going to be okay because our moral compass has not been tainted. So yeah. what you can do on social media is not necessarily be like uh outraged over everything, but just point out things that aren't normal. That's a much more casual, chill way of addressing the issue and open it up to not just friends, make that post public so that anyone can share it and anyone can see it. And you don't have to get super political or in the weeds. You can just say, huh, this doesn't seem normal. Literally yeah. just that can go a long way.
0: I would also say, like, just, um, like, donate to uh, organizations that mm. always goes a long way. And, and those organizations, like, the ACLU, for example, is, like, nationwide. It's not necessarily just California. So – your small donation, however much or little you can, uh, manage to share, uh, it goes towards national issues. Uh, if you would prefer to like see the fruits of your donation, um, you know, come back to you, find a reputable news source that you like that's doing honest, good journalism and subscribe to them. Yeah. And, you know, do what Lisa says and and share those pieces and and add your two cents in because uh, she's right. I mean, like, at the end of the day, you might be in California, like, and I struggle with this, too, because, you know, it's hard to, like, in in some ways, being up in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's nice to be comforted by the bubble. Mm -hmm. But I have to remind myself that my bubble does not extend to the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of up to me to... You know, make sure that the followers that I have are, that are not in my bubble are aware of what's going on.
1: And so. also going to protests. These are televised. Trump watches them. People around the country and around the world watch them. If you're going to a protest, um, you're you're getting your voice out that way. And I think it's very effective because the people around this country are seeing the rejection to various decisions that the Trump administration is making. Yeah. Speaking of supporting uh uh media uh journal journalism, the New York Times reported their best quarter since twenty eleven. They added two hundred seventy six thousand new digital news subscriptions in the fourth quarter of twenty sixteen. Wow. Good for them. Yeah
0: that's amazing yeah good for that makes me so happy and also just like from a purely technical point of view i have noticed that like the the way that their pieces read is much more accessible to like the everyday man versus like even five years ago it was like a very like um like the language was like harder to grasp so props to their reporters for realizing that they needed to uh simplify their style yeah while not necessarily like scaling back on the amazing spectacular coverage that they're able to get yeah
1: and i've mentioned before their app is very good and um it says here that they added twenty five thousand print subscribers their best in six years but of course with the internet right now people want to read on their phones so that's why digital subscriptions are growing so much and print is not um definitely check out their app it's very good if you haven't already so there you go angela feel hopefully you'll feel less useless now um emily says give some recommendations i missed that segment being at the end of that episodes at the end of the episodes (laughs) also any updates on the posters so yes we are pleased to report that ten dollar patrons are going to be receiving physical posters um they are going to be ordered this weekend so good timing with that question emily And I can't wait to see Elisa as Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson as Elisa.
2: Uh, We're one in the same, really.
1: (laughs) You wish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have to recommend a new show coming to HBO next month. It's called Big Little Lies. It's based on the very, very, very popular book by Leanne Moriarty. Have you heard of this book either of you? No. Okay. Pam of you, I feel like you would.
0: Uh I, the the name of the author sounds familiar. I've heard of the show. It's got a really good cast. It's like Reese Witherspoon's in it, right? Oh god, and everybody's in people. it.
1: Laura Dern, yeah. I'm obsessed with her. Um uh let me look up the Anyway, it's set it's set in Monterey, California. It's about these housewives They've all got these major issues with each other. Basically, they all hate each other, um, and it's leading up to a murder. I- I've seen the first four episodes. If I- I- if I could describe it as a bunch of different shows together, it would be True Detective plus Real Housewives plus uh, there was one more. Oh, Gone Girl. That's a movie, of course, mm. but so good. It also stars Nicole Kidman, and then a bunch of other people like. Alexander Skarsgard from True Blood. Um, Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. Anyway, definitely recommend checking that out. And, uh, if I had to recommend something else that I thought I would never recommend before, LaCroix. It's these, it's these sparkling waters. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of them. They're particularly big in LA. No sodium, no calories, no sugar, no nothing. Just sparkling water. There's a ton of different flavors. My favorite is passion fruit. Pam, do you drink these? I feel like you would.
0: Oh, they're at every studio event ever. <laughs> <laughs> How much more LA can you get? Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> That's a very LA comment of you. It's true, though. They're just healthy and tasty. <laughs> they're good to sip I'm, on during the day. A great alternative. You know, it's a little
0: dubious though because I feel like nothing is ever really zero. But oh, it's zero. They have a good. They have a good track record. I stand corrected. There's
1: no sweetener. It's just mm-hmm. carbonated water and happiness. And a hint of fruit. A hint and, um, of fruit, yeah.
2: So the first thing that comes to mind for me, I don't know if this is, I hesitate to say this, because it's video game related. I don't know if it's too, you know, like no one's interested. But there's a really cool platformer I just got into. It's a few years old, but it's called Ori. Ori in the Blind Forest. Um It's awesome. Like, I think it's, I mean, I have a Xbox One, so I know for sure it's compatible with that, uh, PC, whatever. If you like video games at all, even a little bit, you should check it out. It's gorgeous, guys. I mean, it's beautiful. It looks like opening up a painting when you first start this game. Um, and it's just like, I feel like especially for our listeners, if you're into like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and all that, that fantasy stuff, it's not super heavy on, on, on fantasy. Like you're not going to run into fucking elves and dwarves and shit, but it has like that fantastical element of magic. The idea is that there's like this magical forest and you play as like this little, like, it looks like a fox. Her name's Ori, but she looks like a fennec fox, kind of, and she runs around, and you play as her, and you're basically trying to rescue the forest. It's kind of like Ferngully crossed with Harry Potter. I don't know how to describe it, but it's gorgeous. Um, and if you like you know, video games even a little, you should check it out.
1: Speaking of video games, I'm a little disappointed by Nintendo Switch's launch titles, but I think I'm going to buy it at the end of April once Mario Kart is out
2: why are you disappointed
1: well the only big launch title is zelda breath of the wild and i'm sure that's going to be good but i'm not like a major zelda yeah player uh, so i i'm just going to hold off a little bit because i i want i want give me a good pokemon game give me a good animal crossing game give me some more like there is a mario game uh mario like open world mario game coming out called uh Oh, I'm forgetting the name of it. But it's not coming out to the end of the year, and it's like, ugh. Yeah. That blows. Mario so Kart Mario will make it worthwhile. Odyssey. Exactly. But the other issue is that this is just like an expansion of Mario Kart for Wii U. Uh, which is very good. It's just gonna have new characters, new vehicles, a battle mode. I'm hoping they'll add new courses in, in like DLCs. Uh, but they haven't announced any yet, so that was a little disappointing, but uh yeah the mario is really weird you're gonna super mario odyssey the, the open world mario you're gonna be like interacting with humans in like what? a new york city yeah there's I all these different what? yeah there's all these different worlds and one of them is a is a is it looks like new york city and you you gotta watch the trailer at least after this you, you'll you'll be blown away that <laughs> uh, doesn't sound like in a good way no well yeah yeah (laughs) yeah why i'm holding off all right it comes out a month from now all right fair enough switch
0: well i'll do a little music if you want since you guys did video games and tv um if you want to stay woke and listen to a really good album about uh just like current events and and all that good stuff I highly recommend a tribe called quests we got it from here thank you for your service it came out at the tail end of last year and it is probably one of my favorite albums of 2016 but if you want something a little bit more fun I'm still really digging Bruno Mars's 24 karat magic it's like it's so good that whole album is so good he like takes you from like James Brown all the way to boys to men and it's it's amazing. Okay. It's just it's great to have on in the background. Okay. So, okay.
1: Speaking of music, are you sh- excited for Fifty Shades Darker soundtrack? Doesn't that have big artists like Tay Tay? Yeah,
0: amazing. yeah. There was um, what was? Uh, isn't it like like Nick Jonas and Nicki Minaj are doing yes. something together? Yes. I'm I'm really curious about that. Me That's too.
1: We have one more AP choice here. This one will be fun to talk about. This is from Danny. He says, what are your thoughts on dating someone you met on vacation and starting a long-distance relationship? I met him on Tinder while at the Sugar Bowl, and we ended up spending a few days together and really seemed to hit it off, but then had to return back to our home states. We still talk, text, and talk to each other, and even made made plans to meet up again. So if you're okay with long-distance, then yeah, you should absolutely continue talking and potentially turn it into a relationship long distance relationships are difficult um and they take a lot of money but distance (laughs) makes the heart grow fonder so it can also have its benefits um i mean look if if you have good chemistry with somebody and 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 you hate the thought of not getting in a relationship with that person just because of distance then do it see how it goes
2: yeah I agree with that i think i think it really just depends on on how well you hit it off was it sort of you know you saw him from across the room and thought yeah i'd tap that or was it like (laughs) or was it more like you know you had meaningful conversation and you haven't been able to be that open with somebody in years Mm -hmm. if it was the former maybe you just tap it (laughs) and head on out if it was the latter maybe it's fucking worth it just, that's all just i'm just saying. Not gonna
0: rate all of my boys from now on with your voice inside my head <laughs>
2: <laughs> i mean uh. i'm just saying i think i think that's a that's a, that's a good it's a good uniform measure it's true. and so i think if if it in seriousness if it is the latter um then
0: distance should be should not be should not be a yeah. factor I'll su- see how it goes I'll- take it slow. Also nowadays it's so much easier to be in a long distance relationship because like there's Skype video calling and you can like video call from your phones and all of that stuff so.
1: Yeah.
0: There's yeah, that's actually, a great point. There is actually here's a here's a pro tip for you
2: Danny. There is a new pillow that just came out about a year <laughs> ago, year and a half ago and you can sink it. Yeah, I hear you laughing. I can you you can sync it up with your partner so you each have a pillow and the pillow no. can feels What are you saying no for?
1: <laughs> Fuck you. What is the name of this?
2: I don't know, but the pillow like feels your heartbeat and transfers like your heartbeat to the pillow from like across time and space whatever. It has a it connects to a Wi-Fi network and so it it measures your heartbeat and then sends that <laughs> heartbeat over the internet. I'm not kidding you. And then, like, the inside of the pillow is kind of warm, and, like, it lights up with, like, every heartbeat. So it's kind of, like, <laughs> you're laying there with your long-distance Kay. lover. I'm swiping left yeah. on that. That's not, <laughs> not
1: a good <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> I found a couple of things like that. Um There's something called Pillow Talk. It's, it kind of looks like an Apple watch. Um It's a wristband that picks up your heartbeat and sends it in real time to your loved one. And, uh... It looks like your heartbeat plays in real time to your partner's pillow speaker, and vice versa. So there's a little thing you put under your pillow.
2: T- yeah, I'm telling you, this this shit's legit. I don't know why you guys are laughing about it,
1: but <laughs> because it's, so it's stupid. Really, <laughs> like, because
2: maybe I'm sorry you've never loved anyone <laughs> in my life. I'm sorry, like how dark
0: is your soul
2: right now? But
0: Christ. <laughs> You know, I think it just I comes think- from a deep-seated fear that that pillow could explode in the middle of the night, and then I'll just catch on fire and
1: perish. Yeah, so. set on fire, <laughs> right. Yeah. How much is this stupid thing? <laughs> you what know,
0: I think is so $179. funny.
1: $179. For another $100, you can buy an Apple Watch. It does the same thing, plus <laughs> oh a lot God. more.
2: <laughs> what I think is so funny, though. Okay. Some, some girls, some young women have been known. This is true. You can look this up. Some young girls, when they're just starting to figure out their situation down there, have been known to hump pillows from time to time. And I'm not naming any names. I'm just saying I know of a girl, and oh, yeah. I, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, um, you. <laughs> and and I just I love this idea because I love it's like you know what if we had this when we were like seven and we were like oh what's going on. And it's like, oh man, no, like you're actually like humping somebody now.
1: How about a vibrator that you can control from long distance so then your partner can control it? Oh. <laughs> you, oh you st- Andrew! This what? is a
2: thing. This is a thing. So it's not well <laughs> it's not long distance across states per se, but there okay, I actually was with a guy, I dated a guy who was who really wanted to put like one there's a there's this vibrator situation. You put it in your pants. Then they have the control to it. They Uh have like the remote controller. And then you go out in public, you know, obvious, not like the grocery (laughs) store, not like saying like you're in the like the fucking drive through at Wendy's and you do it. That'd be weird. But like you go out, you go out clubbing or something and you're (laughs) drinking, you're a little tipsy and like, you know, you get things a little frisky before you get back to your apartment (laughs) and he just (laughs) presses the button. It goes off whenever he wants and you have to keep a straight face. I'm pretty sure I also saw this in
0: Fifty Shades of Grey. But.
1: <laughs> so while you were just talking, I, I, I Googled, I Googled long distance dildo control. And
0: Isn't there an app called- or something? There's one you can control with your app, like on your iPhone.
1: Maybe this one is called, uh, it's at lovence.com and you get the sex toy for her named Nora. And then you get a sex toy for him called Max. And Max has a couple buttons on him. And Max is in control of the vibration of this, of, of Nora. And, uh, in the photo, the guy is drinking coffee in bed, watching his girlfriend on FaceTime, while the girl is also laying in bed with her sex toy next to her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just saying, oh. that's legit. We should, um, Buy these and use them live on the show.
2: I'd be okay with it.
1: So I'm you can buy the the Max and Nora set for a hundred and ninety dollars. I think we should do this.
2: I, I hey, if you know, listen for science. I will volunteer as tribute.
1: Yeah, and you know what? There's a Valentine's Day special going on right now. This shit is half price. So normally it'd be four hundred dollars. Man.
2: Here's the question is, would you let us use it on you?
1: Yes, of course. (laughs) All right. Can you imagine? We're doing the show and like I have it up my butt and Elise is just in control of it. I'm like, all right now, everyone, a very serious story. So Trump has issued a new executive order banning all gay people from the- Oh my God! Oh my God! Make it stop you, Elise! Make it stop! (laughs) Ah!
2: I actually would love- I think our reactions to it would be so dramatically different (laughs) that I would do it just- for that reason just to see how everybody reacted like Andrew I think you would start cracking up laughing I think you would just die you would have you get tears in your eyes you would try and play it off you'd be like you would be like a little like oh god I have to laugh it off because it feels good but I can't let it on that feels good and then you just start cracking up laughing eventually you get up and then there's like I I on the other hand would just like full on start masturbating in the middle of the show (laughs) You just, like, hear me moaning in the middle of, like, that Mel Gibson story, and it sounds, like, really off color. But that's what would happen.
1: <laughs> I'm seeing, by the way, that Max is a, a masturbator for, for guys. Like, it's it's a uh, fleshlight. So I'm wondering how, how the girl can control it. I'm not understanding, but... Wow. Okay, I'm, uh... This is something, anyway, Danny. I think you're sad. You can pleasure your 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 pal from <laughs> long distance. We have some solutions for you. Whether it's a heart beating pillow, or a vibrator, or a flashlight. <laughs> there you go, Danny. Meanwhile, Pam has left the show. She's yeah, disgusted. Yeah, I'm never coming back. She opened back. up about her family and her heritage. A very moving <laughs> moment. <laughs> Now we're talking about long distance. This is is
0: what I came for. Literally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) All right. Well, if you want to keep up with our hijinks, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. That's Twitter.com slash millennial show and Facebook.com slash millennial show. You can also join our Facebook group. Just Google millennial. You'll find it. But do us a favor. Hit us up on Twitter or email us or something because we get so many bot requests because our name is so generic, Millennial Show, that um, we just get a ton of bot requests. So we don't know who, who, who's a human, who's a real listener, and who's not. So just give us a heads up and we'll get you approved. We'll get you in on the fun. Um, coming up on After Dark, we're going to take a couple more AP choices. This was actually kind of a coincidence. Elisa wanted to talk about how to stay sane in this crazy time that we're in. So we're going to talk about self-care. Um, mm-hmm. Ashley and Alyssa also requested similar help there. So we're going to talk about those things. I think we saw self-help, though, with this This is vibrating.
2: Here's if what after If After Dark's advice is half as good as the advice we gave Danny, I think we're <laughs> set.
1: If any listener wants to buy the pair of Lovence items, send me the remote. And you just give me a heads up and I'll, I'll rock and roll for you. <laughs> God. I'll, I'll get that, that clit arm moving real hard.
2: <laughs> God, how far you have come from Mugglecast. I'm just imagining <laughs> the fucking people who listen to this show and they're like, Oh, I remember Andrew.
1: Yeah. Ten years yeah. ago. Poor Bree and Derek. They found us through Spotify. They were really sweet. They were like, We just love the show because it's a group of friends just talking. Here we That's are. That's exactly are what today. it is. <laughs> it truly is. I that
2: forget. really is all that it is, but thanks.
1: Pam, thanks for coming on the show. Pam co hosts Hypeables Hype Podcast. They talk about movies, television, books. No vibrator talk, I don't think. I don't think Selena Sorry. would, would no. allow that. Got
0: to come on to the explicit tagged show to talk about vibrators.
1: Yes. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Once a month, you should do an explicit episode of Hype where you talk about how much, you, how badly you want to bang. Fifty Shades, darker star, Jamie Doran.
0: <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. I hear
1: you see his actual peen in this one.
0: What? Oh, really? Yeah. You haven't seen yet? Like, you haven't gone to some screening? No. I Cannot confirm or deny for me? But
1: I am going in six days, and I will mm. have my camera out to take a picture of said peen.
0: Well, you know, I think it's only fair, so.
1: What's only fair? That he shows us his. Oh, right. Since y- we, yeah right the woman gets nude why isn't the guy exactly come on that's right come on so okay so let's what what's your favorite boys to men song end of the road is that good
0: oh i don't know but you should probably use end of the road because it's ironic since you're ending the show
1: okay that that works yes (laughs) thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew
0: i'm elisa and i'm pamela
1: see everybody next time Bye.
0: bye 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 wow this is sexy. <laughs> you be my father, This is Just amazing. It's <laughs> for you, Danny. <laughs> oh, you're right. You know aww <laughs> <laughs>